that the what? Lord has made, and what are we going to do? Rejoice and be glad in it. That's right. We're going to all wake up. For those of you that are not morning person people, for those of you that are morning people, you probably heard the rooster crow this morning. <laughs> I never have. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, it's been awesome to be here. You guys have been so receptive, and it just makes things just so much more enjoyable. And you've just, uh, I mean, my husband's just been preaching. I love preaching. And you just pull that preaching out of him. And I, I, I like that. It's great. Well, let's turn once again to Daniel 11.32, talking about knowing God. Talking about that in the last days, as Paul told Timothy, that would be very difficult times. How many of you believe that we are living in the last days? Oh my goodness, I'll tell you what, it's just uh, unfathomable, even here in the United States, of, of what's going on. And, and actually Christians being persecuted. Who would have ever thought that a country that was founded on in God we trust, still, you know, on our um, coins, on our money, um, and I'm thankful that they haven't not taken that away. And yet, on the other hand, if we as Christians don't take our place, I'm telling you what, our rights and our privileges are going to be taken away. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to be bold. We need to be strong. We need to have voices that speak out, that speak out. But Daniel was given a vision of the last days, and... In Daniel 11.32 in the King James Version, it says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do what? Know their God shall be what? Strong and do what? Exploits. The people that do know their God. Now, do you realize that even in the natural... There are various degrees of knowing people. Yeah. You know, um, actually, uh, someone could ask me, do you know the governor of Oklahoma? Yes, I know the governor of Oklahoma. In fact, uh, when he was just a little boy, um, actually, his parents lived in, where was that they lived? Alabama. His dad was a Pentecostal preacher. And um, my husband and I went and, and had a meeting at their church. So, I, you know, I knew him at three. His dad then pastored in Oklahoma. Uh, he founded a, a mortgage company there in Tulsa, very successful. And now he's governor. And so, uh, which is awesome. You know, it's awesome to have Christians in politics. We need more. And he's been in our office uh, before he became governor. And so if you said, do I know him? 
Yeah, I know him. I've met him. I know him. But if somebody said, how well do you know him? Not very well, you know, because I've only been around him just a few times. We've only been around him just a few times. But, you know, I mean, and then there are people that you work with and you know them in that kind of environment, but you don't really know them as well as their friends. And then you have friends, you have various uh, degrees of friends, you know them, but you still don't know them as well as if you're married, you don't know them as well as you do your spouse. And, but how do you get acquainted with someone? Time. You know, uh, we know Pastor Mark and Amy. But you know, the more that we're with them, the more we know about them. Yeah. I know that Pastor Mark likes the same kind of food I do. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> Jalapenos, you know. <laughs> We're ordering food, and he's ordering the same food, you know. And, um, and he was ordering some food last night, and I didn't order that, but I said, oh, that's usually what I get here, you know. <laughs> so you get acquainted with people in the natural by being around them, by talking to them. And the longer that you're with someone, the longer that you are around them, the more that you become acquainted with them, right? It's like my husband and I are working on our 54th year of marriage. It's hard to believe that. I don't know how that happened when I'm only 50, but... And people say, well, you know, you're just 50. Well, I stopped having birthdays when I <laughs> became 50 because I love 50, so why not just stay there? And besides, age is just a number, so you just pick the number you like <laughs> and stay there. So Patrick's older than me now. <laughs> But anyway, you know, when we got married, uh, we, we had written letters uh, for about six months. And uh, so you can get acquainted with people through letters, actually, because you just don't have someone looking at you, so you just keep on writing, you know? You keep on writing, so we were acquainted. But we uh, had, um, when my husband got Home for the military, we uh, got married three months later, so we didn't really know each other as we know each other now. And it took time. It took effort. Yeah. For those of you that have been married for a while, you know what that's like. Yeah. And it took, you know, merging two different personalities together. And when you have two strong personalities that get married, (laughs) yeah, you, (laughs) 
I just make it plain, you know. <laughs> but, you know, we knew that we knew that we knew that God had placed us together. That was the first key that kept us together. But, you know, within you, God has... When you were created, God gave you a personality. Now, that personality was for a purpose. And we'll talk about in a little bit about the plan that God has for you. But, you know, obviously, he equipped you with everything that you needed for the life that he desired you to live. And... You know, within our personality, sometimes there are things that appear to be negatives, right? My parents tell me I was a very strong-willed child. My dad tells me of a time, and I have no idea what he was trying to, you know, encourage me to do at the age of two, but it was something, and... And he said, oh, my goodness. He said, you know, I could have just spanked you and spanked you and spanked you, and you were still going to do what you wanted to do. <laughs> so I realized I had a very strong little child, you know. But, you know, channeled. So, but God gave that to me for a purpose. Absolutely. But channeled in the right direction, using it for the right person, purpose, it becomes an asset to you and not a negative. And so when God placed my husband and I together, and we knew that we knew that we knew uh, that we were meant for each other, and, you know, if you have to question, you don't really, you're not really meant for each other, okay? And for anybody that's not married. And anyway, but... We were very strong-willed. Both of us were very strong-willed people. But yet God knew what he had planned for us, and he knew that it was going to take two very strong-willed people to resist the enemy, to say, I don't care what the enemy brings our way, we will not be defeated because we will not quit. And so if you channel those things in the, toward the right person or the right, you know, whatever, then it becomes a strength to you and not a negative. But, you know, it took time for us to begin thinking alike. And now, you know, being married this long, it's like... You know what the other one is thinking before they ever even say it. Sometimes now that uh, it's just the two of us, I don't cook as much as I used to. Well, really, I hardly cook at all, okay? (laughs) To be quite honest, I cook on holidays. And uh, so a lot of times that uh, after work, we're going out to eat, and so... Uh, he will say, where do you want to go? And I'll say, I don't care. And, and I say, where do you want to go? And he says, I don't care. <laughs> so you can get frustrated with each other by not caring, right? <laughs> so finally, one of us will say, well, I 
was kind of thinking of such and such restaurant. And the other one will say, how'd you know? I was thinking of the same thing, you know? And, uh, but it's because we have communed together, communicated together, and your thoughts become alike. I know long, well, not very long ago, actually, he wanted me to cook. And so he said, you know what I would like to have to eat? And I said, yep, I know. You want my pan-fried steak? I think this was on Saturday. He said, how did you know? <laughs> well, you just, you know, began thinking like. Well, guess what? When we communicate with our Heavenly Father as much as we should, time after time, we begin our thought, His thoughts become our thoughts. And you will understand his voice because you've listened to it. You've communed with him. And why do we need to do that? Because he said that in these last days, we are going to, the New King James Version says, carry out great exploits. What is the definition of that? Well, I looked it up and it said, a bold or daring feat. A bold or daring feat. God has some bold assignments for you. Amen. Some bold assignments for you. Are you ready to complete those assignments? You need to get enthused about it, guys. I need to hear some amens. Yeah. He, you know, as a Christian, he doesn't just expect us uh, to sit in church or sit at home with our um, devotions and do nothing with what he has empowered us to do. So we need to get up, get going, get excited about the assignments that God has for you. Because he said in the Great Commission that the believers, are you a believer? The believers shall lay hands on the sick and what? They shall recover. Do you understand? You, you, every one of you are in the healing business. And there are a lot of sick people out there. Not only physically sick, they're sick in their head, guys. And we have the answer. And yet we're sitting around and not that God doesn't want to bless us. He does want to bless us. But we're just heaping it all on ourselves instead of giving it out. Do you know that there's so much pleasure, pleasure in giving And it's more than giving of your finances, it's giving of your time, giving of your talent. I'll tell you so many times, uh, one of the hardest places that a church has to get volunteers in, and that is the children's area. But it is the most rewarding area to be in. I love the little children. You know, because I think about the teachers that had such an effect on my life 
in church, in Sunday school, in children's church. And those children are so whatever you tell them, they believe. They believe. And they act upon their belief, and guess what? They receive. And the word says we've got to come as a little child if we expect to receive from God. And I will tell you what, to be able to plant the word of God in their hearts, to build that foundation that will help them through the storms that they're going to encounter. And in the teen years, I mean, there's a lot of storms to encounter. There's a lot of things out there that would would try to sneer the young people. And yet when you're founded on the word of God, you'll stand in the midst of the storms. And I, I know I worked with the children there at Raymond quite extensively for a couple of years as we were building the program. And some of those kids now are, they're grown. They're even married. And to see them now, it gives me such pleasure to know that I had just a little part in their lives. And so never underestimate volunteering. For, in fact, this is what I say. Uh, when, the, when the rewards are passed out in heaven, this is who I believe is going to be in the front line. Are all of those who have volunteered in the children's area. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to be in the front of the line... You better volunteer there. Well, that's just a side thought. All right. So, but we are going to do bold and daring feats for the Lord in these last days. And then the Amplified says, but the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong. And I like this. And shall stand what? Firm and do exploits. Firm and do exploits. You know, the Word of God gives us instruction for every season. But the thing about it is so many times we fail to read the instructions. In the natural, have you ever failed to read the instructions of something that you were putting together? All men should have their hands raised. I'm going to pick on you guys. Is that okay? Because you're probably like my husband. Um, and he's very handy at putting things together, but he thinks he can do it without instructions. And time and time again, when the kids were young, and one time he was putting a swing set together. Now, he very, he's very organized in these kinds of things. And so, you know, very methodically, he took so much time putting all the... Same parts together, all the same bowls together. I mean, it took longer than probably what I would take, you know, to get it all organized. But then, you know, he took the directions, he threw them aside. (laughs) Didn't look at them because he thought he knew how to put that together. He he did for hours and hours put this swing set together, and when he got it, Together, there were still parts down here. (laughs) So what did he have to do? Reach for the instructions, undo some of the things that he had put wrong, 
put it together the way it should be. Guess what? In our spiritual life, we fail to read the instructions. And so, therefore, we miss some of the steps that God has for us. And what do we have to do? We have to go back. You know, sometimes we want to take the shortcut, right? And uh, sometimes what we think is the shortcut becomes the long way around. Because I could tell a story on my husband, but he says I talk about him all the time in the morning. So, (laughs) you want to hear the story? (laughs) This was long. This is before we came to work uh, with Kenneth Hagen Ministries, and uh, we were working with my dad and mom in in Texas, and so we were going to a, a conference in St. Louis, and. Tulsa was half the way, and his parents lived in Tulsa. So we spent the night at their house, and uh, so uh, then we were going early the next morning to get to St. Louis, and so we'd gotten up early, and actually my husband's dad had fixed breakfast for us. I don't like breakfast, but anyway, uh, so we ate breakfast, and we started And so it was traffic time. So my husband thought he knew a shortcut (laughs) from Tulsa to St. Louis. We roamed somewhere in Tulsa for about two hours trying to find the shortcut. We were supposed to get to St. Louis at 1. We got there at 5. Yeah, never let him forget it. That was. <laughs> but it makes a good sermon illustration, right? <laughs> Sometimes that is the way in our walk with the Lord. You know, we want to take the shortcut, and God says, no, you need a little bit more experience. You need some tenderizing. You need some temperance. You need all these things. And so he takes you on a journey that you don't understand. And yet on the other hand, when you finally decide that his way is better than your way and you get on the right path, you understand what he is trying to teach you and help you with. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I... I look at my life and I think, oh my goodness, had, I had no idea other than that I was called to ministry. Now, I had my own personal ideas of what I thought I was going to do. That's the problem. We all have our own personal ideas of what, how we think God's going to do whatever in our life. And we try to make it happen. And we get frustrated because it's not happening. If you would just commit and submit to God and be patient. We've got to develop patience, y'all. You know? We've got to develop the fruit of the Spirit. We've got to learn just to follow him. So we've got to stand firm in these last days. Once again, I didn't finish reading Ephesians, so let's go there again. Ephesians 6, 
I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. How do we stand firm? A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And like I said yesterday, the enemy is going to try to keep you from following the plan that God has for your life. So you got to stand firm against his strategies, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore... Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be what? Standing firm. After the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Regardless of, you know, what storms we're going through, what situations that we're going through, we can have peace in the midst of the storm when our trust is in him, our confidence is in him. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I want to tell you what, we as Christians must live by faith. The word says the just shall live by what? By faith. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to what? Please God. Life's journey is always a life of faith, you guys. We're always having to have faith in him, leaning on him, trusting in him to keep us and to help us in everything that he's called us to do. Put on, verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And so we must put on all the armor. And most of all, what do we need to do? We need to pray. Pray. I know the, let me see what translation this is. The message Bible in that says, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. We need to pray for each other. We need to lift each other up. Listen, if someone comes to your mind, you probably hadn't even been thinking about it. If someone comes to my mind, I haven't been thinking about, you know what, I start praying for them. I don't know what, you know, what they're encountering or what they're going through, but the Holy Ghost does. And so I, you know, I may not know what to pray for, so what do I do? I pray in the Spirit. For the Spirit knows the will of the Father. And so we can pray in the Spirit. So do that. You know, if, if I'm awakened in the middle of the night, now once I go to sleep, listen, I, you know, a tornado could come through and I wouldn't know it. <laughs> Because I sleep sound once I go to sleep. My husband wakes up in the middle of the night. He wakes up umpteen times in the middle of the night. You know? 
I don't. And, uh, but, so, if I'm awakened in the middle of the night, I know I better pray. I don't know many times what I'm supposed to be praying about, so I pray in the Spirit. But you need to be sensitive to the Spirit. So, and so we know that in the last days, as I said, Paul told Timothy there would be very difficult times. And then Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 7 in the New Living Translation, he said, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. So obviously, prayer is an important key in these last days. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes circumstances. Prayer can do more than anything that you can do in the natural. Absolutely. I know years ago it was, um, actually I have a brother that's nine years younger than me. And so it's kind of like, you know, I kind of helped raise him. So he was about, he was 16 and and, uh, there was some situations going on and and uh, my dad was trying to handle everything in the natural, and things were just getting worse. And so I will never forget, actually, I was married, and so my brother was over at my house, and I said, listen, we're going to join hands, and we're going to take authority over this situation, because only God can handle this situation. We grabbed him. I mean, he was so scared. He, he, you know, he would do anything that he needed to. We, we I joined hands and I prayed. I, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every power of the enemy. You know, da, 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 da. I'm telling you what, that was broken. He was been accused of something that he was not guilty of. That was instantly broken in the spirit. Prayer will change things. And so in these last days, God has a lot of work for each and every one of us to do. And it is so important that we realize. And so many times I don't think people realize. uh, Having been in the ministry, we understand the importance of following the plan that God has for us. But guess what? It's not just ministers that he has plans for. It is every person. Every person. Over in Jeremiah 1.5. Now God was talking about Jeremiah, but guess what? God is no respecter of persons, right? In the Message Bible of Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Now he said, you know, he was talking to Jeremiah, prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. But if he had holy plans for Jeremiah, guess what? He has holy plans for you. Did you ever realize that? Did you ever realize that when, before you were even born, God had plans for you? But let me ask you, in life, how many times have you ever consulted God and asked him, what are your plans for me? 
No, what do we do? We just create our own plans. Yeah. It's like you go to school, you decide, okay, I'm going to go train for this. Did you ask God about it? You go and you apply for a job. Did you ask God where you needed to apply? All of a sudden, you know, you either get a promotion or some other company offers you a position. Do you ask God about it? Or do you just go take it because you think it's good? Sombering thoughts, really. Because every good opportunity is not necessarily a God opportunity. I'm going to say that again. Every good opportunity is not necessarily a God opportunity. And following the plan that God had for us, if we looked at it in the natural it would have not been what we thought was good opportunities. Don't have time to tell the story, but every opportunity that we were presented that in ministry that we felt like that was what God intended. And looking back, the experience that we needed, that's where we should have been. But guess what? Every opportunity In the natural, financially, our income was cut in half. Doesn't sound like a good plan, does it? But it was God's plan. And when we're faithful to follow God's plan, the rewards are there. Yeah. May not come overnight, you know, may not come in a few years, but when you're faithful and you follow his plan, the one thing that I knew and then we knew that when we followed the plan of God, when storms came our way, when situations came our way, we didn't have to question, oh, I wonder if this is what we should have done. No. We could boldly say, God, I followed you. Now, God, because I followed you, you're responsible to handle this situation or this storm. And so I'm going to take you by the hand, God. And you're going to bring us through every storm, every obstacle, every situation that comes our way. Because I can say with all confidence, I've followed you wholly. I've followed you wholly. But when you haven't even asked God, you know, and usually his plans are not what we necessarily desire to do. I learned very quickly not to say never. (laughs) Because when I was in Bible school and we were, 
I was traveling with a choir. We raised, we were going out and singing at churches and raising money for the school. And we would stay in homes and we would have a roommate that stayed with us. And I said, I knew I was called in the ministry, but I said to my roommate, her name was Joanne, and I said, Joanne, I want to tell you one thing. I am never, never going to marry an evangelist because I hate to travel. Yeah. So guess what? The first thing that God had us to do when we got married was to travel. It's like, so I learned very quickly, don't say never. Because many times that's what God will have you to do. But God knew you before you were born. He had plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. So the plans that God has for you are for good, guys. They're for good and they're for not for disaster. And if you follow them, they will be for your good. He says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I like the message of that. It says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. What's God's will for your life? God's will for your life. Let's turn over to Psalm. Where do I want to go to? Psalm 37, 23. It's so important to follow the plan of God. I want to read this. Where do I want to read this? I want to read this in the New Living Translation. Psalm 37, 23. You know, when you read the instruction book, the Bible, I call the Bible our instruction book, then you get answers. You get directions. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. He wants to help you in every detail of your life. But how many times do we include him in those details? We just think, okay, we can just do these things by ourselves. But you see, when you look to him in every detail of your life, then you become closer to him. You become more sensitive to his instructions. And... When you, he said in his word, ask and ye shall receive that your what? Joy may be full. So when you include him in every detail of your life, you'll learn that you'll live a happier life, a stress-free life, and you'll live a joyous life. Now, so many times we think of every detail, just, you know, the the big details, okay? 
Do you know that God wants to help you in any little small details? When I go I'm running errands or shopping or whatever, usually I have a big to-do list that I need to get done, and so I've got a lot that I need to do in a small amount of time. So what do I do? God, I'm going to such and such. I'm going to Costco. I need a close parking place so I can save time. Every detail, guys. Every detail. And guess what? God accommodates me. You see, this is how that you learn to place your trust in him and allow him to take control of your entire life. One time I actually was going to Target and, um, God, thank you, I need a close parking place. And so this car came out as I was going down this road and I'm thinking, oh, thank you, God, you've answered my prayer. And I'm about to get into that parking place when, I'm sure this hasn't happened to you, somebody switched around and got the parking place in front of me. Yeah, you've been waiting for a little while and they just come in and take your parking place and it's a time that you don't want to respond in love. (laughs) And so I'm sitting in the car kind of, you know, okay, God, that was my parking place. When the person that got the car, that got the parking place got out and I looked and it was one of my employees. Now she was, she's gone on to heaven now, but she was a, (laughs) no, I didn't kill her. (laughs) Oh, well, we all needed to laugh, didn't we? (laughs) I know, I told you, I didn't wound, I killed, right? (laughs) She was a jolly little lady, and she went, I guess we know who has more faith now. (laughs) Uh (laughs) She's with the Lord now, yes. (laughs) You know Maggie. And, uh, And so about that time, a parking place came open that was closer than she was. And I said, ha ha, now you know who has greater faith. (laughs) Oh. You know, sometimes it's just good to laugh, isn't it? But he wants to be involved in every detail of our life. And we don't even think about it sometimes. You know, we don't even think about the fact that he can help you in every frustration. I can't tell you how many times that, uh, have you ever placed something somewhere so that you wouldn't forget where you put it? Yeah, and then you went to get it, and you forgot where you put it. I can't tell you how many times that I've had to say, God, help me find that. 
That thing that is hidden, let it be revealed. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, in those circumstances, you can become so distraught. I know one time I was so distraught over not being able to find something that was important. That the, the more that I concentrated on not being able to find it, the less I could hear God tell me where it was. But when I was quiet before him, okay, God, just show me. I'm going to walk in peace because you're going to show me where it is. And I will tell you, it works for me, guys. It works for me. And you know what that says to me? That says to me, God heard me. God loved me. And God wanted to accommodate me. And that's how you develop a relationship with God. You work with him and he works with you. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young and now I'm old. No, I'm not old. I'm mature. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned. Are there children begging for bread? The godly always give generous, generous loans to others, and their children are a blessing. Amen. Your children are a blessing. Amen. Speak that over them. Speak that over them. So the Lord desires to direct our steps. The Lord desires to direct our steps. Now, let's go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'm once again going to read this in the New Living Translation. You know, this is something that, even from a teenager, these were the scriptures that I leaned on. That one in Psalm and this one in Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5, and if you don't have this underlined, you you need to have it underlined. It's one of the most important instructions that you will have in your life. Trust. In the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord. Verse 7 says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength. For your bones. Now I want to read that in the Message Bible. Let me get to the Message Bible here. It says this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. And I like this. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Oh my goodness. Don't we try to figure out everything? Yeah. And in fact we'll even say, oh God help us to figure out this on our own. You know? No, he said, this is what he said, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Trust. You know, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to trust 
In the Hebrew, that word is very intense. It means literally to lean the whole body on something in order to rest upon it. Lean the whole body on something. Now, I mean, you think about it. I don't know why it's so hard to trust the Father when every day we trust in the natural. Now, as you guys came in, before you sat in that chair, I'm sure that you didn't go like this. Okay, let me fill this chair. Let me see if this chair will hold me up. No, what'd you do? You plopped in the chair. And if you came in when those bells were ringing, this is an emergency, you know, because there, there were some tests going on. But it said, you know, you need to evacuate the building immediately. But yet the precious greeter said, it's okay, it's just a test. You don't have to do any of those instructions. You can come on in. Didn't you trust them? Yeah. You came on in and you yeah. sat down just like I did. If you drove here, you know, you got in your car, and before you, you started it, and before you, you know, did it, got ready to go, I don't think you try, that you checked everything involved in that car. I'm sure you didn't go, okay, let me see now. Before I start out, let me make sure these brakes work. No, you just got in your car, pushed the ignition, backed up, and headed toward the church, right? Yeah, or started it this way, however you did it, you know? <laughs> Depends on what kind of car you have. <laughs> Sometimes you don't even have keys, you know? No. We trust in the natural. I remember when our oldest grandson now, who has turned 35, I mean 35, 25, <laughs> 25, uh, last week, last Sunday, it was this Sunday, or this past Sunday, yeah, when he was three, he would just delight after church to come up on the platform and on the stage, and you know, most of the time, you know, uh, we would be standing around uh, talking to people, and he would holler, puppy, and he would jump off the stage, which was higher than the stage. He would jump off the stage. His puppy would turn around and catch him. He trusted his puppy. Well, one time, usually, he would say that before he jumped. But one time he hollered puppy in the middle of in the air. But guess what? His poppy knew that voice and turned around and he was quick and he caught him. Even though that it was, he was in the middle of the air before he hollered poppy. Our heavenly father, even if we don't holler before the storm, he is there in the midst of the storm to catch us. Woo, that's good. To catch us, to carry us through whatever situation if we trust in him, if we trust in him, as the illustration of, uh, you know, Jesus being in the boat and he said, let us pass over. And yet when that storm arose, the disciples didn't trust the Lord. And he said, oh, ye of little faith. Do you have the faith and do you trust 
the Father. Trust the Father. We need to develop that trust. The Webster definition of trust is assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. You know, who better do we place our trust in than our Heavenly Father? Who better? When he said over in Romans 8, 28, you know, so many times uh, situations in life, they don't look really good. We don't understand some things that come our way, right? And yet he said over in Romans 8, 28 in the King James, he says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, you know, some have interpreted that as saying, well, everything that happens is for your good. No, that's not what it says. It says that God, whatever occurs in your life, God will turn it around for your good. He will turn it around for your good. In the Message Bible, it says that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good, is worked into something good. I'm telling you, I've told people sometimes that they didn't understand the situations that were coming their way, and I said, if you'll trust the Father, yes, the enemy brought some bad situations, but God will turn it around for your good. God will turn it around for your good. But we have to trust him. Trust him. How do we form that trust? By communing with him. By asking of him. By listening, as my husband was talking about briefly last night, by listening to the spirit of God. And the more that you commune with the Father the more that he will, you'll recognize his voice. How does he speak? Some people, you know, I would, and you want to know that it's God speaking to you, right? And I know that when I was endeavoring to recognize the voice of God speaking to me, I asked my husband, well, how do you know? I mean, he, he was in this all of his life. You know, he learned how to be led by his spirit all of his life. And he said, well, you just know. Well, that didn't give the information to me that I needed. So I said to his father, you know, Dad, how do you know? Well, you just know. Well, that didn't help me either. And I thought, I don't want to be weird And I don't want to assume, because I would hear people say, well, God told me this and God told me that. And in in my own self, I I didn't recognize it was the Spirit saying it to me, but in my own self, I thought, "Mm, I don't think that's God. I think that's just what they want to do, or they've just made that decision. So I will tell you just briefly how I know when God speaks. Maybe, maybe it'll help you. The thing that I do when I need answers from God, first of all, I, every morning I just bring my request to him. Father, I need an answer for this. I need this. I need this. I need direction in this. I need to know this. Da, 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 da. 
And I bring all my requests to him. All my concerns, all my anxieties, isn't that what the word says? To bring all your cares to him, for he careth for you. Now, when I've done that, I don't think about it anymore. Now, I will tell you, I doubt very seriously. You know, I would hear people say, well, I prayed, you know, and at that moment, God told me this. God gave me the answer. I don't really think it happens that way. And the reason I don't think it happens that he gives you the answer right when you're praying about something is because you probably already have a preconceived idea of how God wants, how you want God to answer you, so you assume that it's what you want. Well, God doesn't usually do that, okay? So I wanted to be sure that I had heard from God and not because I concocted something in my own head that God, that was God's answer. And so I forget about it. I forget about it. And many times it is like weeks later, days later, months later sometime, as I'm just, I I will thank God, you know, okay, thank you, Father, because you're answering all the things that I need. There are many ways that God will answer me. Sometimes he answers me with this, have you ever thought about? Well, no, I never thought about that. So obviously, if it has never been in my thought life, it is not my thoughts, it's God's thoughts. Sometimes I remember years and years ago, um, we had a position, it was actually the dean of the school, and he had given us notice a year in advance, which is very necessary for that position, that he would be leaving at the end of the school year. And... You know, I'm praying because God usually uses me in that area of replacements. And so I'm praying, God, show me, show me the right person to take this job. It's an important job. And I wasn't getting any answer at all. Had no idea because I'm not trying to think of who would be. I'm just, you know, I'm just leaning to God for the answer. Now, one person came across my mind, but... That person had been the dean before, and they'd gone on the mission field. And so, you know, I, they're on the mission field. That's what they said that, you know, God had had them to do. So I, I dismissed that immediately as, you know, that's me. And so I just dismissed it, ignored it. Nobody knew this. Nobody knew that this vacancy was going to come. But I've been asking God. Father, show me. When all of a sudden we are having a meeting of some managers there, departments, one was uh, in the alumni office. Now, I'm not even, I'm not bringing up any subject at all uh, about vacancies or people. When all of a sudden one of the people in that room said, you know, I was just talking to such and such person the other day. And they said that if ever an opening came back to come back to Rhema, that they were open to return. That's how God gave me the answer. 
That's how God gave me the answer. And it was the very person that I had thought about, but I had dismissed it. Sometimes, and, and Brother Hagen would say this, and I, I learned this from him, God might be dealing with him about something, about um, maybe a change, a, a program, whatever. And he would come to my office, and this is what he would say. Now, I'm just talking it out, talking it out. Well, first of all, when he started to say, well, first of all, he would just say, he would say this, well, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe such and such. Well, I'd go and make it happen, you know. I'm thinking, oh, this is... And then he would come, no, I'm just talking it out. I'm just talking it out. Well, I came to find, to understand that by verbally expressing something, it's kind of like Mark 11, 24, when you say, you know, it was like as he talked it out verbally, the Lord will confirm, okay, is that the right way? Or is that the not the right way? And I would find it would be about the third time that he would come talking it out. And finally, you know, um, about the third time I'd say, you know, because every time he would come, it would be just a little different. Because you see, God expects you to walk by faith. And he doesn't, uh, you know, when the prophet anointed the king... All those brothers came before him. Why didn't God not tell him it was David? First, it would have saved a lot of time, right? (laughs) But it wouldn't be operating in faith. The just shall live by what? Faith. And so I'd find out, you know, if it changed a little bit and about the third time, and he'd say, yeah, you know, I have peace. In any decision that you make, don't... Make that decision until you have peace in your heart. Peace in your heart. And sometimes it takes longer than others. And sometimes I know I've just grappled with different scenarios and different scenarios and talked them out. And finally, when I would come to a certain scenario, it's like, oh, yay, I've got peace about that. I've got peace about that. It was when we were building the church auditorium and the architect was, you know, we didn't know for sure what's, <coughs> what size to make it. <coughs> and every time the architect would bring one, it's like, no, that's not it. That's not it. Go back and redraw. Until finally, it's like, yeah, we got peace with that. We got peace with that. And so God may deal with you in different ways. But know that he will speak to you, but it does then, I mean, he speaks to your spirit, but in order for you to understand it, it's got to come through your thought life. It's got to come through your thought life. But forget about what you think it should be and let God bring it to pass. He is preparing the way for you in, in many things. I know many times I've not understood Things, But then as I saw God move in situations, it's like he was preparing the way before I just didn't know all the pieces of the puzzle. And so this morning, it's time to stand up and pray. It's time for you to search your heart. It's time for you to talk to the Father. Get more acquainted with him.
Trust him. Give him all of your desires, all of all those, all those things that you need help in. Give them to him. Let him work them out. Learn to recognize his voice. Let him speak to you, and he'll show you exactly how to navigate the different things in your life. Are you ready to pray? Let's do that. Oh, Father, we just come to you now. Father, we love you with all our heart. We thank you that as we trust in you, Father, as we allow you to direct our steps, that you will lead us, that you will guide us, that you will direct our every way. Father, as we follow in your will, in your plan, Father, I thank you that you will show us exactly, Father, the plans that you have. Oh, Father, I thank you that you will work out every situation that we encounter, God. Oh, Oh, Father, I thank you that you shall give us the wisdom, that you shall give us the knowledge, that you shall give us the ability, Father, to carry out those things that you would have us to do. It's not in our strength, Father. It's not in our wisdom, but is in your strength and in your wisdom. Ah, Pasite, that we can do all things through you, Father, because you do strengthen us. You do give us wisdom. You do give us direction. We trust you, Father. We place our trust in you. Oh, man, Pasela, Brigainche, Lo Prasula, Brandanche, Eli, Gimani.